Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Please be aware that there are spoilers for Diablo 4's story ahead. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite media. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt. How you doing today, Matt? Do you remember, like, back in the original days of WoW, how sometimes you'd be trying to go into or out of um, the, I want to say uh, Azure Wood Forest, but I don't remember for sure, uh, the, the zone that's, like, got Forest Song on one end and Black Fathom Deeps on the other. A Stranar is in there. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. leaving a Stranar and heading towards uh, Forest Song, or in this case, Forest Song didn't really exist yet, but you were heading in that direction. Do you remember that? Did you ever do that? I do actually. Did you ever have a bear just start killing you and you couldn't see it? There are a lot until of it came up out of the ground because it would be underneath you, but it would come up out of the ground to maul you, and then it would go back down so you couldn't hit it, and it would kill you. Yeah, that's been my week. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. <laughs> My uh, week has been that freaking bear. Well, let's uh, let's hope that the bear doesn't rear its uh, its ugly head at us during this uh, show. But we're going to go ahead and maybe talk about some other things. Maybe there's a bear in there. I don't know. We'll find out as soon as we get there. We're going to be answering your questions, our wonderful listeners. Uh, if you have questions for this or any of our podcasts, be sure to send them into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Uh, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you can go ahead and hit us up on Discord at the Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel. Uh, it is where we look first as a way of saying thank you for all of our Patreon supporters for helping us keep the lights on. Uh, if you want to hit us up on another Discord channel and aren't a Patreon supporter, again, we appreciate Appreciate your continued support, uh, but you can go ahead and hit us on uh, our P- our Q and podcast questions channel. Uh, we tend to get a lot there, but we are going to go ahead and uh, answer the first or 
ask the first question and then answer it, hopefully. Uh, Greetings, fellow Wanderers. I have played through the D4 campaign. I really enjoy how they portrayed Mephisto overall, and especially as the wolf. Amazing voice acting as well. Being that he is portrayed as the wolf, I remember them noting that he is that he's commonly referenced to have a wolf form. This leads me to wonder what forms Ball and Diablo may have, if any. Any insights? And this is from Sinstrom. I don't know if they've ever really... They're bears. They're both bears. <laughs> I mean, Diablo might be. That's a, that, that is terrorizing. I don't mean that they're like wildlife. I mean that they're a couple of really big, hairy guys. Just two huge, hairy <laughs> men. That's what they are. Well, I mean, isn't that... I'm you, having uh, a weird weekend, guys. The thing is, though, is like, funnily enough, you're not wrong, <laughs> right? Like, they tend to take the human form more often than not, don't they? Well, I mean, we don't actually really know because in the time that we've seen them, they've been in other people's bodies. Like, every version of Diablo and Baal and Mephisto that we've seen to this point were using someone else's body. Mephisto was in the body of the Quihagan. Um, Ball was in the body of Talrasha and Diablo went from the body of Alberic to the body of Aiden. Now they twisted those bodies into something. And, and of course in Diablo three, he's in the body of Leah, mm-hmm. um, but they're always using someone else's body. So have, when they were on sanctuary the first time, when they came to sanctuary directly, did they take forms? I don't have an answer for that question. We've never actually seen or experienced aside from in Diablo Immortal is a brief bit of them chasing Ball uh, the first time when he breaks the soul stone and Talrasha makes that idea. But that we get to see Ball very briefly. But that's the only time we've seen any of them presumably isn't, in a form that isn't a possessed body. Yeah. I, me- I remember there was a uh, reference a while ago uh, for like, I think it was like the, the prime evils as like, they were all represented as like wounded animals. The only one we know that was attributed to like anyone in particular was definitely Mephisto. But wasn't there also something of like a wingless bat and a, an eyeless owl or a one-eyed owl or something like that? Uh, that I don't remember. I know that there's in the original triune faith, uh, they were each called like Dialon was for Diablo. Um, um, Mephisto was Mephis. And I can never remember what Bal's was. Uh, it was like something like like something related to Balos, but it wasn't. I can't remember what the the triune name for Diablo for for Bal was. Um, one of the things that I found that I had not realized, I guess I just wasn't observant enough. The wolf is not Mephisto. The wolf is the herald of Mephisto, which with which Mephisto can speak through if he chooses. But as a result of that. It makes sense that the wolf was still around and doing stuff when Narell had the soul stone with Mephisto in it. I'm, I'm at this point, I'm assuming people are going to know that. Oh, there's a spoiler that. at the beginning of this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it actually makes sense that the, the wolf is following Narell everywhere she goes because it's the herald of Mephisto and she's carrying Mephisto. Uh, but it's not. You'll notice it's not talking. And I don't know if that's because it he it can't. Or if there's no reason for him, Mephisto, to use his power to make it, uh, there's, there's, it, it is not technically speaking, it is not Mephisto. It is a servant of Mephisto that takes that form that he can use and speak through. Um, so as to other heralds, like the, the one-eyed, one-winged bat and one-eyed owl, wingless I have bat. not, okay, wingless bat and one-eyed owl, I have not found anything about them. I went and looked up Baal, 
who is known in the Triune as Bala and doesn't mention an Errol that I could find. Uh, that doesn't mean there isn't one. Uh, it just means I haven't found one. Um, and the same with Diablo. Um, but I mean, they very well could. Uh, I don't recall. I just did the the part where you get the blessing from all three of them. Mm-hmm. And you you figure out, oh, hey, Wolfie boy, you're actually Mephisto. I've, I now know this because it's pretty obvious. Um, I just did that bit. And I don't recall anywhere in there anyone saying anything about what these forms would be like for Baal or Diablo. It's also yeah, entirely it possible that nobody knows, right? Like, so it's yeah. it, like Baal, Baal and Diablo generally don't need to deal with mortals or really interact with mortals in a lot of ways. Well, yeah, and plus, I mean, it, it's pointed out like dozens of times. Mephisto is the manipulator of yeah. The Ball is extremely straightforward. The fact that he tricks uh, Marius at the end of the main story in Diablo three, Diablo two, is actually kind of amazing because he never bothers to trick anybody. Um, so it, it's a little bit of him possibly having learned from being inside Talrasha for so long. Uh, because Talrasha was, of course, a, a mage and was pretty dang smart. Uh, maybe that's changed the way Ball operates. But for the longest time, Ball operated like a hammer. Uh, he just he destroyed things. That's what he is. That's that's who he is. That's what he does. Uh, and Diablo scares you. He's terror. He makes you wet yourself and run away. The, these are the tools they use. So yeah, J- Joe is completely right on that. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's entirely possible that they do all have heralds. It's also possible that they have. Uh, entities that they can work through, speak through, or observe through. Uh, they've been here for a while, right? It's it's not it's not one of those things where the the world of sanctuary is unknown to them. Um, I mean, ever since they they got and I'm air quoting here kicked out of the burning hells in the first place, they've sort of been doing things. So I don't know if there are other ones out there, but. Maybe it's those other the 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 wing the wingless bat and the one-eyed owl. Maybe it's not, but we will. I have a feeling in the coming expansions, we're probably going to be diving into that because one thing for certain is the lore of them will be present as we're dealing with Mephisto and his journey through the world, right? Because mm-hmm. at the very least, the brothers don't exactly get along together. Not always, right? No, not at all. In fact, one of the reasons that Mephisto is sometimes considered the most, the leader of the three is because he is so good at tricking the other two into focusing all their ire at each other and not him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And meanwhile, Baal gets that and resents it. Diablo likes to feel underestimated. Diablo likes it when people think he's he's just a a brute. Um, We saw that in the Wrath short when he tricks uh, Imperius into killing him. Mm-hmm. He likes to talk to people and he likes to get them to think he's just a big monster. Uh, that is something that is big on Diablo. So I'm, I'm sure all three of them have their own interplay, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mephisto is, is not, they, they don't get along exactly. It's just that and they especially, hate everybody else more than they hate each other. And especially now, if you look at the world, like not to go off on a tangent, but I mean, hell that's what you people come here for. Um, you have a situation where very clearly Diablo and Ball, when we're going through that that quest with the shrines, they're consolidated enough. They have enough of a presence that when you go and you invoke their name, you get their blessing. They're somewhere. They are at least existing at one point, but their brother is not. We don't know where they are. They don't know if they've reformed in the hells. 
We don't know if shards of them are spread throughout the land like very clearly Mephisto is. And let's be honest, he very clearly is. Um, But Mephisto is probably the closest out of all three of them to winning. And when I mean winning, I mean by having a grip on Sanctuary because he's a manipulator, because he's able to um, move humans a lot, a lot more deftly than, let's say, terror or destruction. Well, all these forces, all these primal uh, feelings and, and, and powers will move humans like they shape the world. Yeah. But you, hatred, hatred is one that will motivate you to direct action. Yes. That isn't running away. Yeah. Cause the other two, that's what they do. They make you run away. Well, although fear, fear, fear can, can be angry. Yes. Fear can make you angry because you're angry that you're afraid. So you then act, but it's a, it's, you know, Mephisto's got a lot easier time of it. Look at when people hate things, they, they obsess about them. They think about how to destroy them. It, the, the three of them interplay really well. Unfortunately, they don't interplay really well as entities, but yeah, Joe's right in that, you know, of the three hatred is the easiest to motivate people to, to, to act as opposed to react to act the way the act the way you want them to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right not to not to get too deep or too dark but let's look at the current world climate right it's anger and fear that motivates more than just destruction destruction tends to be an output of those items yeah destruction is the result but anger and fear are often the cause it it but that anger that anger is really easy to paint a target on someone or something to take the brunt of that anger, right? Like you, you direct it like a needle, like a knife or an arrow. Um, you point it somewhere and they, our instinct is to, you know, kind of get rid of the anger. And how do you get rid of the anger is by acting upon the thing that's making you angry. Um, you can see it in the real world and then you can see it in Diablo. Um, when you do the quests, there's one that actually kind of sticks out in my mind, which is when we find out the fate of the paladins uh, from Diablo 2, the, particularly the hero, the paladin uh, character, what he did, where he was, and what happened in that moment. It was this unbridled anger that, that they were feeling because of the, the role they took, and it needed a direction. And so it unleashed on each other or internally upon themselves. It needed a place to go. So it's it's an interesting thing. But we're going to probably see more about it, like I said, because Mephisto is close to winning. This is the closest any of them have been to winning. Even Diablo, when he had Leia's body and had all of them trapped in the Soul Stone with him and had all that power to draw upon, wasn't this close. So Yes, because that Diablo had an actual manifested Nephilim chasing him. Yes. Mephisto doesn't. Sure, Mephisto's in a soul stone, but we know Mephisto can reach out from a soul stone. He's done that before. Uh, that's not a problem. Uh, so yeah, it is. And we know, too, um, from from one of the lore books, I think it's the Book of Lorath, that she's the, the effect of that soul stone is already making people like terrified of her. Like Narelle goes to a monastery, and the, the influence of Mephisto was so great that they wouldn't let her in. They taught her some techniques to keep control of herself, but they wouldn't let her come in to learn them. Yeah. So yeah, there's, this is going quickly to a head. This is the very fact that there's like corrupted monsters all over the world with hearts full of malignants is possibly tied into that. We don't know yet, but we will. We'll find out. Yeah. But 
Yeah, I, I will say, however, if you believe World of Warcraft, Baal's form is an adorable little goat. True. Baal. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we have another question from Sinstrom, which we're going to get into here real quick as well. Uh, we know demons and angels reincarnate after a time when slain. We see Mephisto in the process of regaining his power following his defeat in Diablo 2 and later release from the Black Soulstone. Will Lilith reincarnate as well? If the Mephisto example he was slain on Sanctuary where Lilith was slain in L, will this alter anything? Maybe. And Maybe. and I, I, I hate to say it like that because we don't have a definitive answer. I, I have a definitive answer, but it's not based on lore. It's just based on the fact that I do not believe for a second they're going to get rid of Lilith. Oh, no, 100%. I believe she's going to come back. But I mean, I think yeah. it's going to be... While they how, ha- how they're going to say yes. it? Like, one of the ways that they might say is that simply she wasn't killed. Or, she, you know, she she saw that things were going bad for herself, uh, manifested something like cr- roughly equivalent to the Herald of Mephisto, and we killed that. Or, you know, you can't kill her in hell. Or it could be any one of a number of things that when we last we, see her, she turns into like ash. Yeah, and crumbles so, away. But the interesting thing, like she's born of hatred. She's in her father's mm-hmm. domain. Her father's mm-hmm. in the Soul Stone at this point and is no longer in Hell, uh, which would have been where the collective essence that had gathered so far had been returned to. But we don't know what pieces of him are out there in the world still in Sanctuary. And we know that it takes time to coalesce from Sanctuary back into the Burning Hells because that's very clearly what Mephisto was doing. We can assume that that's also happening with Maul and, and uh, Diablo or has already happened and we just haven't gone to their domains. But... Mm-hmm. In this particular case, she died in the heart of her father's domain, in his temple, in his church of hatred. He's not there. She is. She That could be exactly yeah. what she wanted. She wanted her father's power. She wanted her father's throne. We may have just given it to her. Yeah, right? that is in fact possible. Or she, for that matter, even if she doesn't have the majority of his power because it's currently wandering sanctuary in a soul stone, the power that's there would reflect to her because she's the only thing for it to reflect to. Exactly. And again, so we the chances of her coming back are very, very strong. I yeah. mean, we literally brought her back from non-existence. Yeah. For that matter, Anarius... The being we called Anarius is dead, but mm-hmm. the power of the being we called Anarius should go forth to the Crystal Arch. Uh, Liz had an interesting idea when we were talking about it that it's possible that Mephisto's tortures and so forth to Anarius were for the purposes of corrupting him, so that if he ended up back at the Crystal Arch, he would poison it. Um, we know that the primevals can do that because we saw Diablo trying to do it uh, in Diablo 3. So is that going to happen? I don't know, but it is something that we can at least keep our eyes on as a possible thing that might happen. But if it goes well, if he, if the essence is purged of all of the anariousness of it, like the, the mind of Anarius would be gone. Like the thoughts, the memories, but Anarius himself, the ent- the entity that he was, the role he served in the cosmic order should get a new person. There should be a new yeah, one the ess- out of the arch. The essence will go through the into the arch and should come back out of the arch as another entity taking over that role. For um, that matter, Malthiel should have done that as well by now. But we don't know if that happened to Malthiel yeah, or not. No, because there are a couple things that happened with Malthiel that didn't happen with Anarius, right? Yeah, Malthiel- for one thing, Malthiel deliberately infused himself with the essence of all the prime evils. Yeah, and also had the you know Black Soul Stone in front of them. Um, yeah, but that's how he did it, and he even broke the Black Soul Stone to do it. Yep, he might have gotten himself stuck in the pieces of the Black Soul Stone for all we know. 
Correct. He could be he could be elsewhere uh, on the world like that. Um, but heaven's been cut off for a while. The yeah. the high heavens have sealed their gates. They're not letting anybody back through. They called Tyrael back, uh, and they've been suspiciously absent for a long period of time. They at least have about fifty years for yeah. at least fifty years, right? We don't know what's happened in the fifty years. We also don't know what the revival timeline is for the angels. Mm-hmm. It could be a week. It could be a year. It could be 10 years. We know that whatever it was, Tyrael didn't want to do it so badly that he managed to keep himself from, from going through it. Mm-hmm. Like he thought it, they didn't have time for it. So that's one thing. The other thing is, is that while heaven is sealed up, when we last saw heaven, it had a lot of corruption in it. And that corruption didn't just go away. That's one of the reasons they were nervous about keeping the black soul stone in heaven, because the corruption was still there and they had to figure out what to do about that. They didn't want the black soul stone there too. So for all we know, Inarius doesn't have to corrupt anything. It could still be a problem because remember all seven of them were in Diablo and in the black soul stone when Diablo attacked the heavens. So literally it's like Tathamet was walking through the place that could very well have left a lasting consequence on the place. For all we know right now, heaven is becoming part of hell or or it's doing that thing that we talked about a few episodes ago, where instead of heaven is becoming part of hell, that jump started the process of Anu's reformation. Yeah, and that's entirely possible as well. I mean, that's the thing. We don't know. But there's a lot of stuff. I, I will not believe that Anarius and Lilith won't be back, period. There's just no way you can make that guarantee. Agreed. There's absolutely no way. All right, so I think that is it for that one. So we're going to move on to our next question. Thank you very much, Sinstrom. Our next question, do we know what happened to the player characters from Diablo 3? It felt like they were becoming fully empowered Nephilim by the end of Reaper of Souls. In the past, Nephilim lived for a long time, so it seems like they would still be around, and they were strong enough to kill the power of death itself. So it feels unlikely that they would be killed by something else. Are they just chilling somewhere? Maybe they went with Tyrael when he pieced out. Are there hints or references to them in Diablo 4? As in a second one, uh, relatedly, what do you think Zoltan Cool is up to? I find it hard to believe he still isn't around somewhere up to no good. And this is from Ada. Uh, we know where some of them were, for right? Like, we know what happened mm-hmm. to some of them from Diablo 3, so. Well, at least one. Um, we know Joanna. Yeah, we know what happened to Joanna. Uh, Joanna died. Yes. She straight up died. Um, Although technically she's now alive again in her apprentice who now took, took the name Joanna. Yeah. I, we don't like, we don't know if canonically Joanna is considered a Nephilim. Although if you play as Joanna, absolutely you are the Nephilim. So I'm not, I, I currently know that Joanna is dead. It's quite possible that Joanna just decided it was her time and then didn't like, didn't stop it with all that power that she had. She might've just let it go. Cause she was, Keep in mind that Joanna was a, was a very devout Zacharoon crusader. She might've decided, I don't want to be a God. I don't want to be, I don't want to replace Akarat. I don't want to like, you know, try and stride forth on this world, like a divine being. And we know that Nephilim can die. Rathma died. I mean, he died cause he didn't, again, he didn't do anything to stop it. He let his father kill him, but he died and he was the first Nephilim. Other Nephilim I've, have come back kind of in ghostly forms so they presumably died yeah we know that we know that nephilim can die right like we literally one of the things we go to is we go to a tomb that was dedicated to the the death of the the first nephilims yeah the tomb of the firstborn 
Yep. And for that matter, we've gone to other tombs in the past. There's that temple in Diablo three that has dead Nephilim in it. There's dead Nephilim ghosts running around. Nephilim can die. Uh, they are very powerful, but they are still mortal. Uh, and so it's, it's just possible. Joanna decided, okay, I could theoretically make myself survive this, but I mean, do I want to be a God? Do I want to replace uh, the Zaka room? Do I want to No, I, I am, I'm a being, I'm a mortal and I'm going to be a mortal and I'm going to die because I've got a follower who can replace me. That's how it's supposed to go for a crusader. Now's the time, you know, or for that matter, she just might've gotten sucker punched. I mean, I've played enough Diablo three to know full well, you can get killed by like the le- like a tiny little demon that shouldn't possibly be able to hurt you just because you weren't paying attention. Yep. You know, who knows? But I, we know Joanna is dead. I don't think we actually know that for anybody else. Uh, I did see something. I remember talking to Joe about it, but it's, it, I can't remember. It might've been the Paladin from D2. Yeah, that is, that is the big one is the Paladin from D2. So yeah. we, we see that one. Um, we know that um, I, not necessarily Diablo three, um, but Cassia from uh, Heroes of the Storm. Yeah, Diablo two character. Uh, yeah. She's a Diablo two character. We know she lived and she went back yeah. to Scovos to train an army. Yeah, uh, don't know anything about the barbarians. Um, don't know much about the demon hunters. I mean, yeah, but then, but then the demon hunters were one of those ones that we don't really know a lot about to begin with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like their order is very much like the Sith master and apprentice type thing. Like where like they kind of do their own thing and kind of go into the world. They're, they're almost like crusaders in that way, in that way where yeah. the ones that they bring in are the ones that suffer a tragic loss and are looking for revenge, but maybe don't necessarily have the, I don't want to say a moral, moral fiber, but like they just don't have it in them to become crusaders. They'll do the dark and nasty things that nobody else wants to do. Yeah, it's not even necessarily that they don't have the moral fiber so much as it's just that they don't see the reason to hamper themselves. We're fighting demons. Everything is fair. We can do anything to demons. It doesn't matter what what we do. What matters is, do we win? Did you succeed? Did you kill the demon? If not, then you effed up. You know, that's demon hunters are very focused on that one thing. Um, The witch doctor, I'm going to assume the witch doctor went back to Hauzar and you know, said, I don't know why they kept calling me a witch doctor. I'm a witch. Anyway, I, I, I think that's pretty, probably pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. They kept calling me a witch doctor. I don't know. What's that mean? It's derogatory. They were being derogatory. I saved the world. Yeah. You know? So yeah, who knows with that? Um, but I would like to see that the, I would like to see the witch class come into Diablo uh, four. And I would like it to basically be like a revamped version of the witch doctor. That, that's more, tied to different stuff and doesn't feel like a necromancer clone. The one thing we do know is that um, the barbarian from uh, Diablo two, I want to say it was, there's a short story that they released a while ago called Wayfarer. Um, The main character care originally intended as a representation of the D two or D three barbarian is haunted by the past, probably because, you know, Mount Ariad exploded and that, that seems like barbarians would take that a little on the hard side. Um, Mm -hmm. And in that he's fleeing south, hoping to reach somebody in Scovos, who he's been close with in the past, which probably is trying to get there with the D2 Amazon uh, to do whatever. Maybe it's uh, hooking up with Cassia and trying to, you know, safeguard the world by creating their own army. Uh, but I also think that if that's potentially the case, Cassia would have welcomed a barbarian with open arms and uh, because she had seen the horrors of the world uh, and what could possibly happen. But we don't know anything that happened with any of the other 
Diablo three classes. Yeah. Uh, presumably the necromancer is still around. Possibly or possibly not. Don't know, but it would make sense. Necromancers are hard to, to pin down. Hard anyway. to kill. <laughs> They're also very hard to kill. They don't tend to die unless they think, okay, it's time. I the, will say, however, we do also know about one of the companions. Yes, we've seen the companions. Yeah, well, we've seen one of them. I haven't seen the other two. Have you seen the other two? No, no, we, I'm sorry. We do see the one. We haven't seen the other yeah. two. The uh, scoundrel from D3 shows up. Uh, he's now, Linden is his name. He's now the head of a city on the coast of Hawazar uh, mm-hmm. named, what was it named? Backwater? It's literally named Backwater. It's Backwater. It's our backwater. Yeah. yeah. So we know what happened to him. He does not mention the Nephilim. When you talk to him, he doesn't say, hey, yeah, I, I knew the Nephilim. He doesn't, nothing. Doesn't talk. But then again, it was 50 years ago. So he probably doesn't go around saying, by the way, 50 years ago, I knew a famous guy uh, or girl. He, it, so, but, but regardless, we do see Linden. We do know what Linden is. Uh, we don't Honestly, know the monks possible. either, right? Because we yeah, don't know no, what happened know to Avgarod. I mean, wasn't he from the fractured piece? Oh no, Novgorod's over the other way. It, it was uh, the monk was from uh, was from the what the Septa fate, so it was over over from Ivgorod, which was completely opposite. Yeah, yeah the other direction. Okay, uh, so, yeah, but I don't I, think we know what happened with with Ivgorod yet. We haven't been there. We haven't seen no. it. Um, it's nope. part of the n- northern deserts. It was, so it's portions of Einsteg, the northern deserts of Aranach, uh, and some parts of the Valley of Ancient Kings potentially. Uh, have touches of that with the monks of Ivogrod, but we don't know what happened to them. Um, yeah, I have no idea. So uh, we long way of saying we just don't know. We don't know what happened to all of them. It's entirely possible that some of them are still kicking around. Like the monks, for example, part of the whole ordeal was using the their gear, their energy to, you know, protect themselves, make themselves hardier. And if their power awakened and they happen to be closer to the Nephilim than not, who knows? Uh, same with the barbarian, same with all the other ones, but we just don't have an idea. Yeah, and there's still like there's also the fact that Ivgarod is basically surrounded by like, you know, the the dreadlands to the west and, you know, the Gorgora forest to the south, so it's not like they can get out very easy. That's why they sent a monk out into the world to figure out what the heck that falling star deal was, because they couldn't just go there. Like they, they, one person can go places that an army of people can't. Uh, they, it would, in order to mobilize for like a big force of monks, first off, they don't have that many, and secondly, it's there's a lot of stuff in the way. Uh, and then they got attacked by the Reapers. Apparently, four of their patriarchs were slain during that time that Malthiel was making his attack. So who knows what's going on in Ivgarod? It is, it is not a city that we get to go to very often. True. But I don't, I know that probably doesn't answer your question, but I suspect we'll probably find out as we go through the rest of the world. Cause one of the things that ends with Diablo four is that Narel is traveling the world. We know that we know that Narel is going from place to place, country to country across large bodies of water. Um, so there is a very good chance that when we inevitably start chasing after Narel, which again, I will be very surprised if we don't, that we might encounter what happened to these previous heroes. Um, I still think that at some point in time, we're going to wind up going to Scovos or Scovos is going to show up at our doorstep, right? We're going to, the world is going to, to hell in a handbasket quite literally. It would behoove us to seek aid 
we've kind of already done some of that. We've reestablished one of the Druid orders, or at least brought them to a point of safety. Um, we seem to be bringing humanity back into closer conservations. The Iron Wolves are back about as well, uh, which you may remember from Diablo 2. Um, yep. And they're so, in D3 as well. But. And they're, they're, they're in D3 as well, but they were sort of pushed out by the Church of Light in a lot of places. We help them reestablish themselves and sort of bring back some of their hope by clearing out the demonic city, um, by finding ancient warrior relics, because the iron, the, uh, the iron wolves have a similar thing to the crusaders, the warriors that wield the weapons and wear the armor, their names are inscribed upon it uh, so that their memories of battle and everything is carried forward. It's an interesting tradition. Um, while they don't replace themselves with the name of the individual, uh, it is still a thing that's that they honor the they dead. They carry the tradition, yeah. Right. Um, they're reestablished again. We help them do that. We also help them cure some of the diseases running through their camp. There's a whole quest for it. Um, everywhere we go, we're either trying to help humanity get back on its feet while pushing back the encroaching darkness. Um, so as we move to other places and look for other allies, it would make sense that we'd be like, hey, we found one crusader. I wonder what the rest are doing. Or... There's a lot of demons around. You know what would be really helpful right now? Maybe a demon hunter. Or, hey, you know, we came across the first necromancer. Maybe we should go see what the other ones are up to doing. Because they probably know or probably have a suspicion that uh, that Lilla's son is. And that, for whatever reason, I'm blanking on his name now. Looking at Matt. All right. well, I didn't hear quite what the you necro- said. The first necromancer, Lilla's son. Um, yeah, Rathma. Rathma, thank his, you. His real name was, in, was uh, uh, Anarian. So we, so we know Lenarian is dead and maybe they feel it. Maybe they want to come and help us. Um, you know, I can see us moving through, especially like we don't know what the the sorcerers are really doing. We know that our, we have one wizard out in the world now. So we'll probably find out more. We'll probably find out more about the previous classes and what they did or where they are and if they're still around yeah. there. Because if probably they existed, no. they were probably they're probably helping keep humanity safe in their little pockets. Yeah, for all we know, they went with Uriel. Yeah, they could have also gone with Tyrion. We don't know that. I mean, I will. I'm going to list off the names of the ones we do know. Their their canonical identities. The Crusader is Johanna. Mm-hmm. Li Ming is the wizard. Uh, Karazim is the monk. Nazibo is the witch doctor. Sonia is the canonical Diablo three barbarian. Uh, the Chosen is the canonical necromancer, and Vala is the is the canonical demon hunter. Mm-hmm. So if you played like a dude. Uh, Crusader, uh, you were not playing Joanna, so technically speaking, that's not that's not the canonical Crusader. That's not a big deal. Just that's who they are. Um, it is possible that any or all of them are the Nephilim. They could have had like multiple Nephilim, or maybe just one of them is canonically the Nephilim. That much we don't know. Yeah, but we do know that one of them is canonically the Nephilim at the least. We and just where did the Nephilim go? We don't know the answer to that question. But Again, we'll probably find out. But thank you for the question, Ada. Uh, we're going to move on to our next question from just Mark. Thanks, Mark. Um, now, this is the, comes with a disclaimer. He, he, they, Mark has not had the opportunity to read the Sin War books, so question is premised on secondhand information. The premise, Tragul is stated to have been held back from entering and intervening during the Sin War by the spirits of his plane. If Tragul is the soul of Sanctuary, birthed into existence at the very moment of Sanctuary's birth... 
then has every failed world created by demon or angel since the dawn of the eternal conflict had a soul that just sits around in the spirit plane. They tell Trigul that they can't risk being found by either side, and he listens. Primary question. In Diablo 4, there is a series of tablets, flavor text, that talk about the marriage of the snake and the tree. Could the tree of whispers be the soul of an imperfect world created by either heaven or hell from the distant past? As you stated before, the world stone exploding and leaving shards everywhere was a big deal, and now bite-sized pieces of world-creating power are left unattended. Tragul could be using these to graft the broken worlds of Sanctuary in a bid to shore up its defenses. More protectors is never a bad thing when both the light and the dark are out to get you. Um, that is a lot of assumptions, but I'll let Matt take first swing at it. I don't know that Tragul is actively working on stuff. I honestly think that Tragul is dead and has always been dead the entire time we've known it. My theory on Tragul is that Tragul is the soul of Sanctuary because he is literally the soul of the World Stone. And because he is the soul of the World Stone, he is Anu. He is the being who was Anu, who split itself into multiple things, you know, took took a big chunk of itself, ripped it out and threw it off to become, you know, Tathamet. And another part of itself all the supposedly good and orderly aspects went off to be the diamond warrior. I think the world stone was what was left of Anu. Yeah. Well, it's it's the eye of Anu, right? We know that Yeah, it's called the eye of Anu. Uh, That's what the angels and demons have always called it. I think it was literally just like Anu, the remnant of Anu, Uh, the, the part of Anu that survived even the death of both the diamond warrior and Tathamet. Those deaths were necessary to create the angels and demons Creating the angels and demons was necessary to create sanctuary. Creating sanctuary was necessary to create the Nephilim. Creating the Nephilim was necessary to create humans. In every step, we see what you'd call descent. It's like the the idea of the falling star. When Tyriel becomes mortal, he falls. There's a fall to it. It's because you're heading down the path. Uh, Much like if you look at um, I, I don't want to get too too much into real world religion, but if you want the idea of a snake and a tree from real world mythology, there's quite a few. Uh, there's Nidhogg chewing at the roots of the great world tree. There's the serpent uh, in the Garden of Eden who is climbing around in the branches of a tree. Uh, there's the lightning flash from from Kabbalistic uh, Gnosticism, which is the divine essence coming down from Kether all the way to Malkuth. And it is a lightning flash, but it is also represented as a serpent climbing down the tree. Uh, because remember, snakes are a really powerful symbol of rebirth. Mm-hmm. Because snakes shed their skins and seemingly become a whole new snake. Uh, it's one of those things. It's like a phoenix idea. Snakes have always had that association. I think the Tree of Whispers is a fascinating thing to have discovered. And how is our and that statement made? I forget which of the witches says it. I think Joe, you probably remember. Uh, but the part where they say, "Oh yeah, you know, you know, how is our? Is it you know is susceptible to like what's happening on Sanctuary?" And you say, "How is our is in Sanctuary?" And they go, "Oh, is it?" Knowingly, but with a question mark because they're not going to answer you directly. But yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things I think when when Tragul is being told that they can't risk being found by either side, those spirits are. Tragul. Those spirits are Anu. Those spirits are the same being. They are part of that plane because they are part of him. Because he is a multiple being now. He was once one being. He was only Anu. Now he is every demon and every angel and every Nephilim and every human 
all these beings have come from him. Everything in sanctuary comes from him, is part of him, is a new perspective. The being that once looked out at infinity from a diamond and saw the same thing everywhere it looked now looks back on itself from billions of eyes. So that's what I think, Tragul, when, when they say you can't go out there, you can't risk being found, you'll ruin it. We're doing this to create a more, for lack of a better word, a more interesting existence than a featureless void surrounding a diamond thing. That's what Anu was. Essentially a glittering point of light surrounded by nothing. Nothing that was neither black nor white. Nothing that was, because it was everything. The nothing was everything. And in the moment of its own birth, the cosmos was born when this being ripped itself in half. So yeah, I don't think I don't think the journey is done. I think Tragul, the reason that Tragul taught Rathma and Rathma just stood there and let his father kill him is because Rathma learned from Tragul that death is not the end. Yeah, death is going back. It's to, just a transformation. It's, return, it's returning what you have learned, what you have seen, everything you are returns back. Yeah, so let's this is something I talked about before, and I want to bring this up again too, right? So when a human dies, where do mm-hmm. they go? Where does their yeah. soul go? It goes to where the world stone once was. Which means before that, they all returned to the world stone. Mm-hmm. Right? So in the same way that the demons return to the burning hells, uh, in the same way that angels return through the crystal arch and are reborn, the idea is that Nephilim, humans, everything that's come from that point returned and brought with them their life experiences. Let's, let's take a lesson or, or let's take a point or, or whatever from world of Warcraft, because I think it is actually relevant here. We just went through an entire expansion about death and what happens when uh, you die, where your soul goes and everything else like that. The shadowlands taught us that your life experiences produced power. They produced anima. And that became a fuel for the rebirth of not just other souls, but for the sustainment of potentially the universe or at least multiverse, depending on how you want to look at it. I'm oversimplifying it. We've had plenty of episodes on it. I encourage you to go back and listen to that. In Diablo, you kind of have a similar thing as you. And this is a theme that we say we just talked about it with the Iron Wolves. We just talked about it with the the Crusaders. Um, We have this this concept of carrying forward the legacy of your predecessors. The world stone sort of took all that information and brought it in. We don't know if the source of the power of the world stone to sustain sanctuary or why sanctuary stayed as it was, was because of just the world stone or what happened that made it so that unlike others, uh, other existences or other worlds, it didn't implode upon itself or unravel itself. Maybe that's because what Matt's talking about where this is a perfected existence. In its imperfection, it becomes perfect because it is varied and vibrant and ever-shifting and ever-evolving, and it's doing that because all those life experiences we have. And in the past, all that would have gone to the World Stone, but blowing up the World Stone has just forced us to continue to evolve and move forward. In fact, that might have even been part of the design from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Because eventually, you need the World Stone to be gone, so nobody will overwrite because we saw what happened with the world stone. The world stone overwrote the sin war. Yep. 
And because this, the world stone did that, yes, peace was preserved on sanctuary for a time, but look what happened with all the, the angels and demons. They just repeated it. Mm-hmm. They just did it again because they didn't learn anything. They didn't change or grow because they don't like to do that. But also because they're, they're the ones who remember it. The angels and demons remember the world, the sin war, but we don't. So we couldn't react as they just trotted out the exact same stuff again. And that's the thing that drove Lilith nuts. Remember Lilith hated that the demons just kept doing the same thing again. Lilith for all that she is a evil being who is cruel and does not care the way we care about things. Lilith it may be the first angel, I mean, you may first demon to ascend above being just a demon mm-hmm. because she's aware that you can learn, you can change, you can do something else, you can try something new. And it is was necessary for somebody to do that for the Nephilim to be created at all, for sanctuary to exist. Somebody had to think outside the box. And this is why, I, like, thinking outside yeah. the box, that, that might be why Lilith is probably right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Lilith, Lilith it, it, I will agree. One of the things I agree with is what uh, Lorath says when he's critiquing Elias's whole little speech about how they're going to save the world. He goes, listen to what, look at what they do, not just what they say. He's preaching about saving the world from a mountain of corpses. Like, who is he saving it for? Who gets to be saved at this point? You know, how many people have already died in this stupid, you know, eternal conflict? You're going to kill more of them? You know, and that that is a point. Like, Lilith wants to change and change what we do. And that that's that's a really admirable thing from a being who is, like, basically raised to believe that things should never change. And you should just keep doing well, the same thing over and over again. And but let, let's, let's go back to the Sin Wars though, real quick. Mm-hmm. Look what she did in the Sin War. Look what she did with... Uh, why can't I remember his name now? Odyssean, uh, Odyssean Old Diamond. Yeah. Uh, when she taught Odyssean, like, you have the power to do these things. You should do these things. Making him more powerful than even she was or is. Yeah. Right now, in the, the rankings of most powerful Nephilim, Odyssean is, is possibly in the top five. And Odyssean is just slightly more powerful than the Nephilim we just had. The Nephilim we just had in Diablo 3 is the most powerful Nephilim since Odyssean. Mm-hmm. And Odyssean was probably more powerful than Bolkathos or even Rathma. Although Rathma didn't care about power, he cared about knowledge. But yeah, I th- Joe's got a point here about the fact that you know Lilith taught Odyssean. Probably taught him more than she intended to or didn't understand just how powerful he was going to get. Or maybe she did. Maybe she did. Maybe she knew he was going to banish her. Maybe being banished was the best thing for her. It meant she could skip ahead to the next part and didn't have to wait and watch them do the same thing over and over again, again, because that's got to drive you nuts. Man. Well, not only that, but what would have happened in the, the, the war, but with uh, the prime evils in uh, her, like if she was still a piece on the field, yeah, being removed from the battlefield is the smartest thing that she could have ha- possibly have been done. And look at the cr- Look at the clues. There were clues left behind to bring her back. Why? You can't tell me she didn't plant that seed eons ago. She must have, yeah, because it's not like Aldisian would have, unless Aldisian did, and that's like. But why would he? Um, me, the only reason I can think of is that he might have put in. Essentially, I'm doing this. I'm resetting this. I'm I'm getting everyone a chance to just back off and cool down. But if this doesn't work, 
break glass, release crazy person. You know, that's one possibility, but I do think it was her. I think it was her who did it. I think it was her who realized, okay, um, Aldisian will, will do what I need him to do, but then what next? I need to be prepared. Um, Cause you notice she was prepared. Even when she found Rathma dead, she still, she still had her primary plan. That's mm-hmm. the thing that keeps getting me about all of this. They had that whole idea to, to summon forth and and use her as a power source. And it's not that Lilith didn't care. It's that it didn't change what she was trying to do. It was a good idea. You go ahead and do that. I'm going to do this. And that's one of the things that I, I, I think that's one of the reasons I think killing, killing Lilith in uh, the cathedral of hatred was barely even an interruption in her plan because you know, great. You took dad out of here. If you had let me kill him, I'd have taken his power and I'd rule this thing. You didn't. So I'm going to take what power is still here. Cause keep in mind, they were already the, the three great evils, Mephisto, Diablo, and uh, Ball were already exiled for yep. centuries. And in that time, it's not like hell just stopped being hell, you know? So yeah, with all seven currently in a regeneration phase, for lack of a better term, right now, Lilith might be the most powerful being in hell. Yeah. I really don't have anything else to add to that. That's pretty right on point. <laughs> I mean, it leads me to the thing I was thinking about when you were talking earlier about Mephisto clearly wanted to be put in the soul stone. He was practically oh, yeah, he, throw me in the briar patch. Uh, you know I'm what going I mean? to get you to do this thing that I want you to do by telling you not to do this thing that I want you to do. Yeah, if I tell you to do it, you're not going to do it. Nobody would do what I tell them to do. He's like, I got a kid. I know how this works. Intelligent people don't just do what the Lord of hatred says. So clearly if I make it sound like I don't want this to happen, then they'll make it happen. Uh, I honestly believe that. I'm, I'm sure, you know, Joe is just confirmed. He did. I'm, I'm oh, sure. 100%. But what I really also wonder is how genuine, like, I think Lilith really hates Mephisto. Like, I really think she wants to steal his power and kill him. I don't necessarily think Mephisto hates Lilith, which is weird because he's the Lord of Hatred. But I don't necessarily, I think that of he, do, do you remember, I don't know if you've ever like seen, remember Mass Effect when Samara kills uh, her, her daughter? Yeah. And she says she was the bravest and the strongest and the smartest. And she never started fighting. I was so proud of her. You know, I think he likes the fact that Lilith isn't a doormat. Isn't like Lucian who literally just kisses his butt and does whatever he's told. I I don't even know if Lucian still exists. I, I, you know, he's been a long time since we've seen or heard anything from that guy. But I, I, I find myself wondering how much of this is him attempting to like keep himself in existence let her work through it. And then, you know, at some point come to her and say, look, you know, stop trying to kill me. It's, it's, it's pointless. I've got this, this thing is going to happen. You know, come work with me. I don't think that that will work because I think Lilith is really sick of the primevals. Like I've said before, the, the, the whole reason she did all of this was because she was so tired of watching them do the exact same thing over and over again. And I don't know that we're seeing them do anything new here. No. And I mean, ultimately, like, and this is why I think maybe she was right is because I think, I think in truth, Lilith wants to evolve as badly as she wants us to evolve. Mm-hmm. Right. And we also, the other thing that we don't know about her coming back the first time is we don't know how her rebirth transformed or augmented her. Not really. 
We know very little about even how it was done. We know that he found that ritual. You know, oh, I just thought of this. I know he. We know where he got the ritual. Where did he get the ritual, Matt? Rathma. Yep. Rathma had it. Rathma wrote it. That was all part of Rathma's stuff. So Rathma not only had the prophecy, but he straight up made the prophecy possible by creating the way for his mother to come back. And obviously he didn't back Lilith uncontestedly during the sin war. He wasn't on her side, but also very clearly he, he didn't hate either of his parents. He didn't even hate Inarius. When Inarius says, I will, you know, make my own destiny. I will go forth and I will slay, I will slay Lilith and I will ascend into heaven where I belong. He even says, would it would, would it would, were it would be so father. Like he's, he's straight up is like, I wish you could have that. I wish you could go home. I really do. I want you to go home. I want you to be happy because you're my father. He offers Inarius far more respect than Inarius offers him. Oh yeah. Handily. It's, and it's fascinating to think that he might just, for all his well, knowledge, for all his understanding of the balance, Rathma may still have been at heart a child who wants to see his parents happy. There's another interesting thing about that whole timeline, right? That whole everything that had happened in Diablo 4. Mm-hmm. Because who learned the way to bring her back? Well, I mean, Elias learned it, but it was an, it was originally from Rathma. Where's Elias' Rathma. head now? Oh, yeah, on the Tree Whispers. What does that mean? Well, I mean, the Tree of Whispers now knows everything that, that Elias knew. Which means now anybody who wants to barter with the tree can learn how to bring somebody back with that ritual. I or mean, somebody who can be brought back with that somebody ritual. Somebody who we can be brought back with that ritual. But we also know that one of the first spells that Rathma wrote is a spell that allows you to get dead people to get up and tell you things. Uh-huh. And yeah. Eli- we, don't know, we don't know what Elias also took from Rathma's domain. Well, he took the ability to make yourself immortal. He definitely spent yeah. some time there learning things because it has been a while. We don't know when he visited there, how he got, what, like how long ago it took him to get there. Yeah, um, but it was it certainly wasn't yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. And so he has knowledge that Rathma potentially wouldn't have wanted shared with anywhere else. Like he was very clearly keeping it away from everybody, right? Potentially. So now, unless of course that since he saw the prophecy, he knew all this would happen exactly that way, and so he didn't necessarily want to keep it away from everybody he wanted to keep it away from the people that weren't supposed to have it Mm -hmm. but the people that would make it move forward in a direction that it had to move into because again remember that whole prophecy he didn't understand it until he went and communed with the serpent the serpent is the one who kind of explained it to him because it came to him on a scale of the serpent as he said so yeah you're if the serpent and the tree are kind of in this weird union and the, the serpent is like, I don't know. The serpent is the thing that climbs and, and descends the tree. And the tree is the, is the force that anchors itself into the world. Then, yeah, it's quite possible that at any moment, the tree may make a bargain with someone, you know, I'll get your head after you die. And here's that secret. I mean, yep. it gave, it gave Lorath the, the ability to find Rathma's tomb in exchange for his head when he dies what does Lorath know that it might want? Yep. All the secrets of the, uh, the, 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 the everything that he yeah. learned in that vault. And Lorath is not exactly a unseasoned person. He's not exactly a green member of that, that August, uh, body. Elias, right? Yeah. Elias cut and ran when he, when he felt like he couldn't do anything from there. Uh, Lorath knew Tyrael. Mm-hmm. Lorath 
to the Nephilim. Lorath was there getting directly instructed by a, an actual archangel for years. So yeah, there's, there's lots of stuff in there that Lorath knows. For that matter, we know that Lorath knew a lot more about soul stones than, um, than, than Donan thought he did. Like when Donan was starting to lecture him on it, he just started spouting it off right back at him. He's like, yeah, I know that, you know, it's, it's not like I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. You've got more actual expertise than I do, but I'm not a blithering idiot. Yep. So yeah. That's that's all interesting the, to think about. There's also some interesting things with the the idea of the tree as well, like just to kind of come back to it a little bit. Like, and Matt and I have talked about this a little bit. We talked about this during the Diablo episodes, just a smidge. The tree is an interesting representation. Not only is it a some symbolic of a lot of things, but also it accompanies a bunch of iconography that was presented in the Book of Lorath, presented in a lot of the promotional materials for Diablo 4, and I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, the idea of a tree is like the family tree, right? We see everything boil down to its root, its base, which in this case is Anu or the entity that was Anu. It splits from there and it goes into the Diamond Warrior and Tathamet. From there, those fall and it splits into the various branches that show uh, all of the aspects of heaven and all of the aspects of the, the evils of hell. I don't think it's a coincidence that they showed that specifically in that relationship as a tree, because everything comes back to a common root. Um, yeah, the trunk of the tree is untrunk. It doesn't have, usually they don't have multiple trunks. And when they do, those trunks still kind of regrow into each other and sprout off into branches. There's still a connection at the root base. So, but, yeah, I, but, I've been, but I've been thinking about it with, like, we only ever see the trunk, but we never really think about the roots, too, because the roots spread far and wide. And the roots sort of like work its way into other things and anchor itself. We talked about how is our being potentially not part of sanctuary, but it's anchored to sanctuary in a manner. It touches it. It's attached to it. Where's the tree located? The tree is located in how is our, what other realms potentially, what other shards of worlds potentially are anchored through the roots of that tree? How many other realities has that tree existed in? Where are all those heads from? The tree knows things that are not just sanctuary it knows things that it shouldn't really theoretically know and yes there's a lot of stuff that's happened in sanctuary but you can't tell me that every head on that tree knew those secrets at least not from our perspective it knows about angels and demons in a way that a lot of you would you would expect normal average people of sanctuary to not know it understood what elias was it knows what Lilith is. It knows what the evils are like, and I'm not just saying like it understands them as a concept. It understands them more than we do who have interacted with them. So I'm wondering if maybe going back to some of the earlier stuff, those worlds that collapsed and fell and into themselves didn't actually collapse and fall into themselves and fragments of them exist elsewhere and everything gets pulled in. I don't know, but I think the tree is more important than, than just being a, uh, a quest giver that makes you go around the world and murder things to collect knowledge and heads for it. Yeah. I think that the tree is, we, we know that the duality is a big part of the cosmology of Diablo. Mm -hmm. um, the duality that was descended from the original Anu, you got Tathamet and you got uh, the diamond warrior and they both personified something. And we keep seeing this, this duality represented we keep seeing it over and over again in different ways like you talked about the tree where one half of the tree is you know over here with all the devils the other half is over here with all the angels but then in the end those an angel and a demon come together and have a have the first nephilim 
And the Nephilim are, are spiritual beings that are also mortal beings made of flesh. They are physical and spiritual in a way that, you know, demons and angels aren't. Demons can have physical existence, but it's almost like they're tumors on the world. Uh, angels seem like this weird light thing that they wear armor to keep themselves like somewhat concrete, but inside they're just light. You saw when Tyrael was ripping his wings off to become mortal, you saw him grow a body, you know, that he didn't have before. He went from a being of light to an actual being of concrete substance. And that could have in fact be what demons do as well, just in the other direction. Um, so we know that a lot of the demons, there's a demon uh, in, in Diablo four who has no interest in the eternal conflict he has no interest in eating people or consuming their souls. He hangs out inside of a, of a completely normal human being and just helps collect other demonic things so they can be locked away because he doesn't want other demons on sanctuary, wants it to himself, wants to just live there because it's nicer than hell. You know, that's think about the idea that that demon exists. He's a quest giver. He's in the dry steps. I can never remember his bloody name, but he's right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Look about Durgest. Durgest was a demon that was worshipped by the Zian as a god. And there was another god, the moon goddess, Lyra, who Durgest married. What, what is this? This is not the eternal conflict. What are you doing, Durgest? If you're a demon, and you, and by all accounts you are, why are you trying to get married to some moon goddess? Where did this moon goddess come from? Is it an angel? Why are you marrying it? <laughs> you know, what's going on, Durgest? There's a lot of these weird little moments that makes me think that when Lilith create helped create sanctuary, when Lilith and Anarius created sanctuary, they wrapped it. It got wrapped somehow in this change that you're talking about. Remember you were talking about like how you think Lilith wants to evolve. Mm-hmm. I think everything on sanctuary evolves, whether it wants to or not. And I think when Lilith came here this time, she caused that to be part of herself. I think they all do. I think Anarius, the reason Anarius was so miserable was because he fought it. He didn't want to change. Tyrael comes to sanctuary as something else. And he has, he doesn't, he's not miserable. Even when he knows I'm a mortal being now, I'll die someday. He's not miserable because he isn't fighting it. Mm-hmm. He accepts that he made a choice. And in a weird sort of way, unlike Inarius, Tyrael is more Lilith's opposite in that he is an angel that said, you know what? I, I am, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not anti-fighting demons because most of them suck, but I am really much more about justice, about doing the just thing. And I can't be justice if I'm unjust. I can't be justice if I'm not balanced because justice is all about the balance, right? Yeah. The scales. Balance is sanctuary's essence and balance is necromancy. Yep. It's death magic because death is that thing that we have that they don't. They don't have death. So they never, like, the angels get wiped. They die and they get wiped. Whatever they were, all the stuff that they were is now just gone. They don't have it. Uh, Demons die. That doesn't happen, but they don't learn anything anyway. (laughs) You know, they don't have experiences. They just, you know, even the greatest, the, the, the lesser of them are just big monsters. And the greatest of them don't, like, imagine suggesting to Asmodon that he could improve. So I think you're right. And I think it's tied up in the tree is one example of that duality. The serpent is the other mm-hmm. The tree is the tree is stationary. The serpent is mobile. The tree is a rooting thing. The serpent crawls from place to place. 
The tr- the tree is about all these heads and knowledge. The serpent disseminates knowledge. Like the tree learns. Yeah, because think, the think, of, think of it in terms things. of tragul, right? That the the, mm-hmm. the tree gathers the tr- the tragul. A serpent gives. Yeah, like knowledge of good and evil. He gives and the balance between them. It's the serpent gave Rathma the prophecy. The serpent told him what it meant. The serpent told Rathma how to hide himself from the vision of the tree. Yeah. The tree couldn't see into Rathma's plane because it had never had anybody there. None of the heads on the tree had ever been there. It couldn't see in there. It knew where it was. It knew how to get there, but it didn't know what was there. But the, the serpent did because the serpent is the one that told him how to do it. And that, may, that, that implies that the serpent can literally take the fruit from the tree. <laughs> and once it's done that, the tree doesn't have it anymore. Potentially. I, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little biblical here. but No, but I mean, there's, I, I a, really reason, there's a reason that that symbology exists everywhere. Yeah. And it exists, yeah. Like we've mentioned before, Norse, there's the, the trees of Aiden guarded by a, by a serpent in Greek mythology. No, that's, that's sorry. That's Aiden is the Norse one. Uh, the, there's the one that the Greeks have too with the the to treat the apples of the Hesperides. Sorry, multiple myths on this one. But th- that in ter- that in turn, what you're saying about the tree, though, that it, it's rooting all these other places, like in a way, the tree is making sanctuary grow. Yep. And in so doing, all that stuff we see underground, we talked about. I want to say in one of the uh, the big lore dive episodes, all the weird pulsating stuff that's under the world. Mm-hmm. It could, in fact, be the tree. Like spreading out, or like for lack of a better word, and I'm only using this as an example because it's a real world thing. Trees have more than just themselves. Most trees have a mycelium network around their root systems, yep. and that network reaches out to other trees and communicates with them. In a sense, multiple trees growing in an orchard could be considered to be part of this network. They can they can send chemicals back and forth through it. We don't know if like how you would explain how plants, if plants have thought, but they can communicate. And that kind of implies thought, doesn't it? It does. And we kind of already have an idea that, that they do and that they can, but think about it in terms of this. If all that stuff in sanctuary, look at the, look at when you go to Scott's Glen and they have all those trees, the trees are extremely important to the Druids, right? Mm-hmm. What are they? if not children of one great tree. And that we, we even know that there's like bigger, older trees in Scotsland that younger trees came from and that they need to communicate with them to be fully healthy. And the demons were attacking that. And then when, when Mephisto was in charge of the church of Zacharum, who was he burning in Hazar? Druids. The witches. Oh, Druids. No, no, yeah, was, sorry, witches. Yeah, you were saying Hazar. In, yeah, in obviously in Scott's Glen, uh, one of Mephisto's servant was burning druids and burning druid trees. In Hawazar, it was the Church of Zacharum under Mephisto was burning witches. Why? Destroy, trying to destroy their connection to the mm-hmm. tree. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to me that Hawazar and Scott's Glen basically bracket the world that we get to see in the game. They do. They're at opposite ends. Yeah. And like are they are all those trees in Scott's Glen like the equivalent of like transplanted trees from the Hawazar roots? Are they connected to the to the tree of whispers? So yeah, I think you you're onto something here. I, I'm having more and more ideas just thinking about what you said. 
And that's what we do here. But we are at time, which means that we are going to call it here, folks. And Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means that this podcast signing community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast with a queue, and an ads-free site experience. Again, if you have questions for this or any of our podcasts, be sure to send those into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Specify the show it's for if you can, please. That would be really, really appreciated. And if you have a special pronunciation for your name, uh, make sure you give it to us. I really appreciate when you do that. I know Matt does as well. It's very helpful. Uh, if you don't want to send us an email, you can go ahead and hit us up on one of our two Discord channels. We have one set aside for everybody, which is our Q and Podcast Questions channel. And then we have one set aside for our Patreon supporters, which is aptly named the Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel. We tend to look there first as a way of saying thank you for our patrons for keeping our lights on. Uh, if you can't support us monetarily, please be sure to share our content with your friends, especially now in the great heat death of Twitter. Uh, it is more important than ever <laughs> that people yeah, share our content. <laughs> like I'll point out, um, we were on the Apple podcast thing and when we're on very, very many others, absolutely rate us. Absolutely. T- you know, leave a comment. It, it does help a lot. It's really, really, it's the, you know, with, with Twitter going the way it is and with no clear successor, in in view for it it's it's one of the better ways for us to spread and for people to know to come find us yep and especially because the algorithms there do matter the higher rated something is and the more that it sees it is shared spotify is another great example uh when they see links getting shared or people clicking through on links the algorithm will serve it to more people uh based off of it as i had somebody actually report to us uh that lore watch showed up in their feed uh and they're a frequent listener of um, the uh, uh, old gods of the Appalachia, and because it is a story podcast, and ours tends to fall into the same category as entertainment, uh, because people were sharing our content, it showed up in there. If you like this, you might like this type thing. So it yeah. does very much help us, and we would appreciate it. But with that, folks, we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.